Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ. Living Orthodoxy is the parish podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If there was one parable that could stand as a summary of the gospel, I think the prodigal son would be it. We can feel the truth of this parable on so many levels, how it interprets us, how it presents the whole tragic story of humanity and the graciousness and love and humility of God. And of course, we read this parable as we approach Lent precisely to show us the path of repentance. Have we come to ourselves and returned to the Father's house in the waters of baptism and our commitment to live in the church, to commend ourselves and each other and all of our life to Christ our God as a living sacrifice, as the Kaminskys and the Hyatts have here today with baby Benjamin? And will we come to ourselves again and again, always uh, renewing this return to the Father in our life in Christ together with those in Christ? Or in this tale of two sons, will we be like the older son who was always with the Father, but whose heart was cold to the repentance of his brother and the forgiveness and humility of the Father? This, I I think, is quite clearly how we should read uh, the parable, that these two brothers represent two alternatives, two dispositions toward repentance. But what has struck me as I've reflected on this passage is that the question is not as simple as which brother will I be like, which will I imitate. Rather, is it not the case that we have been and can be like both brothers, perhaps at different times in our lives, and perhaps even at the same time. Is it not the case that having gone into a far country, squandered our substance, our inheritance from the Father, what the text calls the Father's life, his bios, having experienced the famine in our exile, having felt the lack and deprivation there, and attaching ourselves to other masters who send us out into the field, to sit in the slop, feeding on the pig's pods, and having returned and experienced God's grace and forgiveness for ourselves, that we can become cold and hard to the repentance of others and the continuing need of our own. We can leave the pig pen and return to the Father and yet find ourselves as those who have always been with the Father, but no longer truly know the Father or ourselves, because we do not extend that same love and forgiveness to others, or do not pray for, their salva- uh, for the salvation of others. Perhaps a, a biblical example of this is the prophet Jonah, who after experiencing and, and gladly accepting God's grace and forgiveness, sulks and laments at the fact that God won't destroy the Ninevites, those other people. I was interested to learn that the word prodigal is uh, Asotos, uh, which actually derives from the word sozo, to save. Uh, to live as a prodigal is, in this kind of etymological way, is to live without salvation, without protection, without healing, 
or outside of the wholeness that comes from communion with the Father. Of course, in this way, many of, as many have observed, the, the true prodigal in, this, in the story is, in, is the older son who stayed behind, who was always with the Father. This is indicated subtly, uh, or not so subtly perhaps, by how the father addresses the objecting older son. He says, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Uh, And he goes on. But the older son here is actually not called son. It's not the Greek word weos, but child, technon. Interesting, huh? Contrast with earlier, uh, for this son of mine, utos a weos mu, this my son was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And I, I don't think we would be wrong to hear echoes of Jesus' baptism and transfiguration, who this is my son. And note that the prodigal truly becomes son by passing from death into life. He is a son of the resurrection. The older son is in the house of the father but cannot yet be called son, but only child. He is prodigal. He is outside of wholeness, outside of healing, because he, has not, he does not truly yet know himself, and thus does not truly yet know the Father. This is the essence of true repentance, according to the parable. Not just a change in behavior or disposition, but coming to know who God truly is. Do we truly know the Father? Are we prepared to accept the God that is presented to us in this parable? The God revealed in the person of Christ. Are we scandalized by God's free forgiveness, his extreme humility, his unconditional love? The parable is telling us that we cannot truly know ourselves until we understand that this is who God is, what he is really like. We cannot move from child to son or daughter until we embrace God in this way. This is not the God of infinite self-regard who must be true to himself by exacting payment from us or from a substitute victim for our sins or whose infinite honor must be satisfied, whose seething wrath must be assuaged so so that he can love us again. This is not the God who cannot bring himself to look at us in our mire and filth, lest he be stained or tainted by it. This is not the God of order who polices the cosmos, looking to accuse, ready to pounce, to plunge us into guilt trips, or ready to exact retribution on us for disturbing the perfection of his world with our noise. This is the God, the Trinity, who loves his children, his image bearers, as he loves himself. He loves us as persons, not as problems, not as necessities. He loves us as seeking to be in communion with us, not to humiliate and condemn us. Oh, that I would be such a father, that I would be such a Christian, such a God-bearer, and God imitator. This is the radical teaching of the parable. 
We must come to know what God truly is like, and if we don't, we can be in the household of God and yet be prodigal, that is, asotos, outside of healing and wholeness. As St. John says in his first epistle, we have come to know and have believed the God which, the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. If we really believe this, how would this change our lives, our marriages, our church, our nation, our world, if we knew ourselves as the prodigal son of the unconditionally loving father. I close with this prayer I recently discovered attributed to Metropolitan Filaret of Moscow, which I think captures the, the spirit of the, uh, of the prodigal son. Lord, I know not what to ask of you. You alone know what my true needs are. You love me more than I myself know how to love. Help me to see my real needs, which may be hidden from me. I dare not ask for either a cross or a consolation. I can only wait upon you. My heart is open to you. Visit and help me in your steadfast love. Strike me and heal me. Cast me down and raise me up. I worship in silence your holy will. I offer myself to you as a living sacrifice. I put all my trust in you. I have no other desire than to fulfill your will. Teach me to pray. Pray yourself in me. Amen. For more information about St. Philip Orthodox Church, visit us online at st-philip.net.